Hello and welcome to Gaming from the First Age. I'm First Age and I'm here to talk, well, nonsense about tabletop role-playing games as usual. Uh, I hope you're well and I hope you are weathering the current crisis uh, as well as can be expected. All my best to you and I have to say this is not the podcast that I was expecting to do. I was expecting to give my sort of gaming review of 2020, a little bit of a look back, and maybe a little bit of a look forward to 2021. But that will have to come, well, sometime in the next few days, I suppose. Time of recording is towards the end of December 2020, quite a year. I'll speak more about the year probably in my review podcast. But instead, well, I want to talk about one facet of my 2020 gaming experience. The discovery, as ever, belatedly, of the best version of D&D, 4th edition. Pause there for dramatic effect. Dun, dun, dun. Well, obviously that needs to be qualified a little bit. Uh, it's a great version of D&D, along with probably all the others, though I have seen quite a few improvements in the years following a D&D 1st edition. 1981, yeah, I just about remember it. I've seen, literally seen, in play, 2nd edition AD&D play some, well, great gritty games with kits and packs and patches and house rules. And 3rd edition has got something going for it, not least Birthing True 20, a truly fabulous game. And 5th edition itself, of course, predominates for lots of good reasons. Epic character power matched with simplicity of game, and approachability. So then, in a final d20 roll of the die, I have discovered that the polarising 4th edition is an excellent version of D&D 2. And I have to say, I've gone on a bit of a late year Christmas eBay spending spree. Oh dear. I mean, it was bound to happen, of course, wasn't it? Why? Well, because the game was released in 2008, that's why. And, dear listeners, you will know that anything in the naughty decade seems to be a win for me. But anyway, I'd like to talk a little bit about why I really rate the fourth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. And I have to say, I'm not encumbered by a bloatload of third or 3.5 splat books. You know, heavy investments having to be set aside for a game that, I have to say, dares to be a little bit different and certainly different enough to move the game on from the 3rd edition era. Instead, as usual, I'm looking back from amongst games that have, well, supplanted it? Well, at least for many, and I suspect most. Now, I don't really know what got me going on 4th edition. It was It's an interesting question. I, I sort of thought, well, how did I get there? Was it the 2008 that drew me in? Maybe. Maybe it was some of the podcasts I've been listening to. It might have been some of the online play. But I kind of just got to have a little look at one of the books. And yeah, that persuaded me that there was plenty going for it. It might even be that I've done a bit of a circle from 13th Age, which you could argue is the sort of future indie child of 4E, in a way. Some of the same people, I believe, involved. And the richness of options that you get in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, derived out of 3rd as well, very much its own thing. Maybe these things drew me back to an edition 
that has many things about it that call out to those later games. I don't know how I got there, but I did. And so let me talk to you a bit about 4th edition. You may well come into this with a view yourself. Maybe you were there at the time, and we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, Maybe you've played it and it didn't work for you, or maybe it hugely worked for you. Um, So you may well come to it. You may have heard of some of the controversy that came with the game. Maybe that's where you're coming from, and maybe you just simply, it simply passed you by. It pretty much passed me by. As you will know, maybe, I really didn't do D&D for a long period of time, and 2008, that was probably during that period of time. Anyway, so, D&D 4th edition. So I've skimmed the critiques that raged hot Uh, A decade ago, I suppose now. A maelstrom of writhing that I completely missed. And they encompass the following kinds of critiques, is what I've read. So I'll start with the critiques. It doesn't feel like D&D anymore. It's changed things too much. It's just a massive multiple online role-playing game. Drawing on and trying to draw off World of Warcraft, except with physical figures. It doesn't do roleplay. It's all about fighting monsters. Brackets. It's D&D. Close brackets. And the game is strewn over too many books. There's probably more criticisms. I may not have mentioned your favourite, in which case, apologies. They're the ones that I can immediately quickly pick up on. But now, if I reflect back into the actual game itself, I estimate that most of these criticisms are either complete rubbish, poorly targeted... Or I have to say laden with an amusingly thick smear of irony. Now I can afford to be light-hearted about it. I wasn't there. There are many who got badly burned in those raging debates that polarised the community at the time. I'm simply looking back at a gem of a game which I expect holds up really well today. Now to be clear, I say expect because I have possibly played it only once. And even then, I think it might be ten years ago. But I have done extensive reading, checking and delving into the roots of this game. I have seen and watched it being played online and I have some highlights. So I want to share with you my highlights. I think this is the moment where, well, assuming you're not driving or operating any sort of dangerous machinery. Why are you listening to my podcast while you're operating heavy machinery? I don't know. Anyway, this probably is the moment where if you can and it's safe, uh, sit back, maybe close your eyes. Um, focus a little bit on, well, my top, I want to say top, I want to say top 10, I think it gets to more than 10 highlights of, well, Dungeons and Dragons, fourth edition. Ready? Okay, let's go. Ah, the physical quality of the books and the artwork. I mean, they are stunning. The books themselves are beautiful. Possibly amongst my favourite physical books on any shelf that I own, or any book that I own, including the shelves. Anyway, outstanding. I mean, the books themselves, really beautiful. A consistent, coherent art style throughout. The layout, um, well, they certainly learnt a lot from third edition. It's legible. Uh, It's got probably the right number of words for a page. It uses space very well, and the descriptions are great. I'll come back to those. The game is set out brilliantly and clearly. It is recognisably D&D, I have to say, but with a lot of design changes. Largely, I think, good ones, if I I may say. 
proficiency bonuses. It's all about proficiency bonuses, isn't it? You know, D&D 3rd edition, sort of one per levelish. I'm not sure. I think it's something like one per four or something for the bounded accuracy within 5th edition. Well, in 4th edition, proficiency is at half levels, but with levels that go from 1 to 30, not 11. Numbers will accumulate quite high, but I think in a fairly manageable way. Certainly, you need to be heading into levels that, well, in some ways, I wonder if players ever actually get to, but you'd need to be going into uh, some of the higher tiers of play. Saving throws. Well, saving throws have become static defences, that opposing powers try to beat, including, of course, the traditional defence armour class. So that's really, really neat. The classes and the design of the classes, they are balanced each against each other with really nicely set out powers from a range of, of realms, be they arcane, divine, primal, martial, and indeed others. The powers all have flavour text for really evocative play. They are categorised into frequency with which these powers can be used. So that would be at will. Um, you can use the power uh, again and again, as, as often as you wish. Encounter powers, which are more powerful, but can only be done once per encounter. And daily powers, um, which can be done, as it suggests, once per day or once before you have an extended rest. And you've got your short and extended rests there. Short rests are five minutes and then crack on, so that can refresh your encounter powers. And long rests, you know, a good six hour proper rest gets you back your daily powers. Really well done. Gameable, yes, but well conceived. Healing surges, that capacity where you just refresh your hit points, generally a quarter of your hit points for one surge. And that can be done during an encounter as if you're like an at will power, but also can be done during long rests and so on uh, and indeed uh, short rests i believe uh, i need to learn a bit more about the game but that's a really nice way of doing things characters are robust i have to say characters are really robust um, more so than i think probably any any version of the game you know you start with a number of hit points roughly based around your class but then adding your constitution score the actual score onto it as well so you're starting with you know mid-20s hit points Probably you're you're probably something like a third level fifth fifth edition character at first level, at least in terms of your robustness. Although having said that, some of the monsters have got higher levels of hit points as well. So really robust characters. I think the idea was let's make it fun and playable from the get-go. You don't have to wait till third level until you're starting to feel like you've got a range of options. You've got a wide range of options, even at first level. And I like that. I like that you get straight into the game with characters that feel rich, robust, and with good options. We'll come back to options. Uh, healing points, I think, all refresh after a long rest. So it takes that cue, which has been picked up by 5th edition. So really nicely done. There's other little conceits in there, like action points. You get an action point to start with, and you can gain more after milestones. A milestone being a couple of encounters. And an action point basically gives you an extra action. So you can, at the right time, you can spend your action point to do that extra thing, that extra burst of activity, maybe an extra attack, throwing out an extra spell, whatever it is you have to do, an extra move maybe even if you really need it. Uh, action points are there to help you get things done. I think because of the way the classes are defined, things like the fighter and other martial classes are no longer just dump classes at higher levels. 
You know, every class has a role to play in this great sort of classic D&D team game. And when I'm talking about roles, roles, classes have got, you know, roles to help shape how you act in encounters. Now, it's always been the case, I think, really, that in play, classes have very particular and complementary roles to play in terms of how they function together when facing combats and encounters. This has been slightly codified in 4th edition to help you get a feel for how different groups can mesh together. I think it's really a really nice way and it's another sign, if you like, of the clarity in which the game has been written and designed. Monsters also have roles. So you've got, if you like, your what have you got? You've got your brutes who are there really to slug it out. They're big, they're big, they're big, they're heavy, they, they, they take a while to come down. They deal out big damage, they, but they need to get up close typically to do that. You've got uh, others, solos. Solo monsters are your large solo monsters that can survive uh, against uh, groups of adventurers and do lots of uh, amazing things. Artillery. You've got, you've got types of monsters that are more into sort of longer-ranged pieces. You've got your skirmishers who can move around the, the, the battlefield very well. And so when you're designing your encounters, you can use the roles as, 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 again, cues to work out how to construct them, which I think is, is really good. And indeed, encounter design. When you're designing your encounters, the design for that is clear, it's elegant, it's based around a, an experience point economy with some very sage advice on sort of level ranges to keep things challenging for the party without necessarily challenging them so much that you're heading towards a TPK, unless you want to head towards a TPK. Stat blocks, well, they've been designed for consistency and readability. Monsters are only the things that you need for the encounter. They're easy to parse visually. And I expect they're really going to be really easy to apply in-game. So again, clarity of design, very simple to see, uh, very nicely expressed. I'm looking forward to uh, using them in play. The skill list? Well, yep, it's not all about combat. <laughs> Characters have got skills, but it's a lovely streamlined number of skills. So this is where the streamlining took place. And again, I think 5th edition took cues, if you like, off 4th edition for a much more manageable list of skills. I think probably, if anything, I think probably 5th edition refine it even further. I do like the 5th edition skill list, but a really nice set of skills and certainly diminished from the list that came with 3rd edition. And belaying this idea that it's purely a combat game, 4th edition brought in something called skill challenges. This is, a, 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 an, I think, now a much copied approach for uh, creating great role play mixed with game to navigate situations that arise. It's, you know, get a certain number of successes with a certain number of type of skills before you perhaps get a certain number of failures. And through each of these rounds, if you like, of undertaking a skill challenge, you can have characters going around and using their skills, narrating and describing how they act and how it sort of takes you forward in that skill challenge. And maybe some secondary skills that are useful to try and su either support people in doing what they want to do, or maybe even rubbing out some of the failures that you've made on the way. So it doesn't quite give you success, but maybe it ameliorates or improves your situation. Skill challenges then came in with 4th edition, I think, yeah, doubtless you'll tell me they came in earlier, but certainly a centrepiece, shall we say, of 
fourth edition design. Really very, very good. Advantage? You know Advantage in 5e? Well, it sort of had a had a play out in fourth edition. It might exist before then, but certainly I noticed it in there. I'm trying to think of an example. Elven Accuracy was one. Elven Accuracy essentially means if you... If you, if you roll and you don't like the result, you can roll again. It's kind of rolling with advantage. It's just called Elven Accuracy, and that's one of the powers. I think it might even be an at-will power, which is pretty damn powerful. So you're rolling at advantage with certain weapons if you've got uh, that power. So really nice. So it's got, it's got things, and again, echoes uh, are found in 5th in edition. Again, I'm going to talk about roleplay advice. So I think the Dungeon Master Guide for 4th edition is genius, actually. It's, I mean, rarely have I seen such a comprehensive and well-thought-out set of advice on running a good game, being a good player, uh, and getting the most fun out of things in a collaborative way. It's really well done and really well worth you looking at, even if you've got no, you know, no interest in 4th edition. I think as a as a view into the mindset of the design team about what they're trying to promote in terms of the style of play, it does an absolutely cracking job. The setting is interesting as well. So yes, as part of 4th edition, they did bring out some of the classic Dungeons & Dragons settings. So if you want, you can go and play in Eberron. You can play in Forgotten Realms. You can play in Dark Sun, if that if that's what you want, as in there, there are books that support those settings. Probably looking at those settings through the revised cosmology in the game, and with half an eye to the design of characters in 4th edition, which are, by, by consequence of the design, differently constructed to editions prior to uh, 4th edition but rather th- but not just that but they if you like the home setting for 4th edition is something that's not massively described by design it's what they call a points of light setting so in amongst the dangers and the collapse and the chaos of the outer world there are points of light places of safety and civilization Probably to a greater extent, these areas are self-sufficient in able to survive the seasons because in between these points of light, there is danger, there is uncertainty, and there is a need for heroes. Enter the player characters, unusual, able to travel between these points of light to make connections and bring together society, which has been broken by empires of old. The actual core setting, Nentia Vale, really well done. Lots to go, lots to do there. And it's, I, I don't know, it's, I don't know what, I don't know how big it is. I don't know how big it is, but it's not that big. I'm going to say it's a couple of hundred miles by a couple of hundred miles, something like that. It's that kind of order of magnitude. And around the Nentia Vale, there is the sort of light descriptions. Please fill in, <laughs> you know, what what you want. Uh, either drop it into a place or drop it ideally into your own place. But it's got such a lot going for it that I think it's a huge plus. And they draw on that subsequently, obviously with uh, adventure material and the core books themselves. Touch on the, uh, on, on the setting and make reference to it throughout. Incredibly gameable and quite a different approach to setting and cosmology. Nicely done. And I, I, so I suppose, you know, that's just my big run through of, of, of many of the things I like about it. Fun. You know, I, I really feel this game was constructed, built 
for maximum gaming fun. They, they've coalesced things uh, into a set of, of guidelines, rules, that really want to hone in on the fun that's going to happen at the table. And I have to say, yes, fun particularly in the encounters, uh, and particularly those tactical encounters, which we'll come on to in a minute. It's, it, it's, a, it's a great game, and I think it's really well done. It is different. It's definitely different. It dared to be different, and in some ways I think maybe that was maybe its downfall. It was just a bit too different for uh, some folk who wanted to stay with I guess the sort of third and third and 3.5 experience. And, and so people went off uh, clearly to continue to do that and either stayed there or, or had never left <laughs> earlier editions um, or um, moved on to, of course, Pathfinder, which, which took the game, took the 3.5 to 3.75 and took it off in, in that direction and did a great job on the third edition. So it, it was a different... A different sort of a game, but it's still very recognisably D and D. Uh, and well, I will commend it to you. I think I think it's a tremendous game all round. If you are a mighty hero, a feud barbarian, or a wily wizard, why not pop by to the gaming tavern to get your provisions before you go out on your wonderful quest? That's www.gamingtavern.uk. Actual provisions are not available. Just chitter-chatter. This is an internet forum, you dummies. Now, on to, well, I'm going to call it perceived challenges. Some of them might be real. So no game is perfect, even even 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So there's always, there's always balances and trade-off in game design. And you see some of those, certainly, in 4th edition. Now, during the brief, it was fairly brief, I think it was four-year history of this game, 2008, roughly 2012, I think, it started to wind. 2013, you're heading into D&D Next and heading towards the 5th edition of the game. During that time, there was a realignment of the underlying maths, and especially for the monster stats. A little bit around the difficulty check numbers, but certainly the monster stats. And you'd need to get to, oh, I don't know, I think it's Monster Manual 3 to get the rationale for it. It's not game-breaking, but they essentially upped monster damage a little bit and reduced some hit point totals, especially for the big solo boss monsters. And I found some great guidance out there on the net to retro the numbers, should you wish to bother. And looking at it, it probably is just worth the effort of retroing some of these numbers. Errata. So I would say that more than probably any other edition. Well, is that true? Is that true? There is certainly a sizable numbers of errata. Some of these, I think, were just reinventions after the fact when they were working through and wanting to get the game to be as good as possible. The game, in its original printing, far from broken. You know, it's fine. It plays, I'm, I'm sure, absolutely fine. But they wanted to make it as good as they could. And they continued, I think, throughout the life of the edition, certainly up to the Essentials line, which I'll talk, talk about in a moment, they did look to revise the game. You can get the errata. It's available online and you can, you know, have it to hand, as it were, to work through things as you're working. Clearly, it would have been nice if, if that had all been right from the get-go. So there is something there. 
Much as in earlier editions, you've got splat books, you've got kits, you've got other things that add, extend, and in many ways change the earlier editions' focus uh, and play. So I would say with 4th edition, in addition to a number of books, you've got a number of changes and tweaks. So there is that to it. So that's a bit of a challenge. I don't think it's an insurmountable one, but it is there, and I think worth mentioning. I mentioned the Essentials line. Now that came out later, certainly... I have the books now. <laughs> I think it's 2010-ish. Uh, probably caused quite a bit of confusion, I would think, when it came out about, well, okay, D&D Essentials. Is it, is it still 4th edition? It looks different. They're in paperback, sort of large paperback book format. Nicely done books. How does it play against the core that I've already got was probably the question that would be asked. I've already invested in, you know, the, the classic three, plus maybe Player's Handbook 2, maybe Player's Handbook 3, uh, maybe Dungeon Master's Guide 2, maybe a couple of monster manuals. What am I doing with essentials? Well, uh, some judicious searching makes it clear that they really what they're doing is that they provide a simplified and stripped down list of those powers and classes whilst being compatible with the core game. Uh, you also get the math sorted out for monsters and some, some great flavour text and adventures as part of those books. So really good. Does it, does it replace the core game? Probably not, but I'll, I'll talk later about starting points for 4th edition. And Essentials is certainly one way of doing it. Um, they're, they're nicely done books. In places, certainly they are, if you like, repeating themselves in terms of that great guidance. But nevertheless, I think they are a, a good set. And I think inevitably it does cause a little bit of confusion about the design of the, the range of books and how they all fit together in context. My general feel on it now is, is it's not something to really worry about. You probably either want to choose just a mix and match approach or maybe just stick with essentials if you want to start off there. But I'll talk about starting off a bit later because there are a number of ways that you can do it. So back to the critiques then, yes, probably quite a few optional core books to tempt you. But, you know, looking at 3 and 3.5 and looking at even 2e, I suppose, I can't help thinking that the book count was pretty high there too. So, yeah, maybe it's just a way of it. I suppose another thing is, as you head beyond levels 1 to 10 in the game, that's the heroic tier, and into the paragon tier, levels 11 to 20, and through and on and into... Well, the epic tiers of 21 to 30. Does everyone ever, has anyone ever played at that level from, from 1 to 30? I'll bet people out there have. That will have taken you quite a long time. Your, your characters during that period of time will amass a sizable number of powers and feats. I mean, not unlike 3rd edition, I suppose, in a way. Uh, the powers, though, I, the way I see the powers in this game is they can be seen as cards. And you typically get to play a card, or m maybe a couple, on your turn. So the game in play, I'm surmising, only surmising, if you've played it, you can tell me, rests really on player focus and listening. You know, you should ready your card power to play when your initiative turn gets to you. You turn up, you play the card, you move on. It looks manageable to me, depending on some of the things like the modifiers and the status effects that these powers give some of them ongoing, and how they can stack and be tracked in play. So there might be something there which will add to the complexity. But in terms of this, I don't want to say illusion of choice, but in terms of this choice that's there, 
and I think it's a real choice, you just simply need to be on top of your game, know your own powers, and pick one in time for your turn to go. And as ever, I think with these game designs, the huge array of character options always comes with a relatively short list of pros and cons. You know, there's good things about having all that, and there are some things which, well, you need to stop short and think about. So, D&D 4E then. Not just a combat game. That's down to the group and the style of play and the richness of the skill challenges that you wish to apply in your game. It's no more a combat game than any other version of D&D, or indeed probably other games. And yet, the encounters are definitely into the tactical miniature token realm. It is theatre of the mini rather than the mind. Uh, it's, it's, it's also a great tactical game with intra-party class combos, feats, powers, dynamic shifts around the battle mat. It was, I think, actually really designed, and it probably was at the time, I think, for an online virtual tabletop of the time, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, <laughs> 12 years ago. That didn't really transpire at the time. It just wasn't there. So battle mats, figures, yes. So in, I don't know. In some ways, perhaps D&D 4E as a game has now arrived and is of the right time. With such a rich array of virtual tabletops out there now, 4th edition might well have found its era, maybe? Now, in a future podcast, I, I think I will have to give you my version of a definitive guide on virtual tabletops. Let's save that one for 2021. So, I, I suppose, again, taking a step back, I can, in part, I think, at least acknowledge the world of Warcraft critique. It was big in the day. Maybe there was a sense that they wanted to design the game such that it would draw people from World of Warcraft into Dungeons & Dragons. It's a very different experience between the two anyway, despite the design. But I, I think overall, if you, if, you, if you just make the critique that, well, 4th edition, it's just World of Warcraft with, with figures, well, it's a rather blunt and poorly directed blow, I would suggest, against a very complete game. It's got so much more going for it, as well as the great tactical play. Now, I'm, I'm keen to get the game to the table, I have to say. There won't be time for me now, at uh, time of recording, to get 4th edition to the virtual tabletop this year. But I, I'm already building some encounters in the Roll virtual tabletop, along with Mike uh, Schley's great Harkenwald map set, which you can get online. Now, I have to say, I, I did contact Mike, actually, directly, and bless him, he, he did reply. I wanted to check about using his maps whilst streaming, because if I'm going to stream and put things on Twitch and YouTube and so on, and I, I would like his maps to be sort of there in, in amongst the sort of tabletop experience, really, because they're so, they're so beautiful. But I didn't want to get sort of caught foul of, of, of distributing his, his maps, you know, unwittingly uh, and, and certainly without his permission. But he did reply and he generously just gave his blessing. He, said he thought that was fine. It, it wouldn't be high resolution and, and you know, cluttered with my face and things. So, you know, who's going to want to download that? So he didn't say that, by the way, but I, you know, that's my, my thought on that. So as such, well, great. So I'm, I, I will be using his map set, which is fantastic. And I expect to see the Reavers of Harkenwald feature, well, somehow, in 2021. And maybe more on that on the next podcast when I give my review of the year and my look forward. I'm also hopeful to actually play 4th edition 
uh, not quite for the first time, but possibly the second time. But I think, ah, correct me if you know me and I'm wrong, I think for the first time in Eberron. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that game will happen. Uh, my good friend Peter's, I think, offered. I think I've encouraged him or something. Uh, he said he might. So maybe I'll get to play it as well, which I am really, really looking forward to doing so. So fourth edition i'm over 30 minutes so i've 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 blithered a, quite a long time about this game rather excitedly and at, at something at pace but it's a superb game and i can't squeeze the superb into less than 30 minutes or so it seems uh, but i'm nearly there so there you have it i i think it's a tremendous game a really really good iteration of dnd your characters are powerful from the get-go you've got a rich set of options and powers the, the, the character classes interplay with each other the healing searches the healing searches well possibly you might be searching for healing but bear in mind you've got your surges and your surges mean that you are going to continue to recover uh, during play uh, without having to go off and sort of camp for hours and weeks possibly with sort of you know broken toes and things so i don't know it just has that heroic feel about it and i think it will bear up very well in actual play and i think it's still it's still got something it's still got something because it's different i did say it was it dared to be different and it's different from the editions before and it's different from fifth edition is it the best edition of D&D ever? Well, obviously, it depends, doesn't it? I think they all bring something, and it depends what you're looking for. But if you're looking for a really robust and well-put-together set of rules for heroic fantasy role-playing in the Dungeons & Dragons sort of vein, with great tactical combat, where you're happy to bring out the miniatures or to use the virtual tabletop, sort of battle mat-style play, plus thinking about using skill challenges, something that I don't think, although much copied, I don't think formally found its way into 5th edition. Um, they're great. They're really good. It really provides some structure to your role-playing. It's been done elsewhere you know, plenty of times since. But there it is, right in the heart of the game. It's a very, very complete game. And I think we'll play, well, I've seen it played online and people just love it. They absolutely love it. Maybe if you're coming in without the baggage of Dungeons and Dragons, you'd really enjoy it. If you've got some baggage, you might struggle with it, to be fair. So there we are. I'm fairly baggage free and I think it's great. So I'm going to be bringing it front and centre in amongst, you know, Pathfinder and True 20 and other things during the course of 2021. But what about you? What about you? I mean, if you, if you want to actually get into the game then I think there's a number of routes into the game. So I'll just, I'll close, if you like, on that. And yeah, I, I'm going to give you about four ways in, okay? First, you can get the, um, it's called the, it's H1, Keep on the Shadowfell and Quick Start Rules. The PDF, it's available free on DriveThru or the DMs Guild. It gives you everything, including an adventure to get started, and it costs you nout. So... I would. I mean, it's, that is the obvious way to do it, isn't it? Grab yourself that, take a good look at it. You'll get a good toe dipping in on it, and I think you'll get a good view of it. It's at least a start. So that's perhaps your, your easiest way in. That's number one. Number two, well, there is the classic, isn't there? Get the three core books. You can get them on PDF, if, or, or you can do what I've been spending half my life doing over Christmas, eBay searching for the best deals possible. You can get them relatively affordably. And for the quality of the books, my goodness, they are good value. Get the three core books, you know, your classic player's handbook, uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster Manual. 
I have to say, if, you, if you're going down that route, I would strongly advise also getting the uh, Player's Handbook 2 as well, which brings in some of the additional classes and races that you probably would want to have in your game. You also probably would need to pick up some of the guidance, I think, on the new maths. Uh, if you're struggling to find that, get in touch and I'll, I'll, I'll find your way. It all fits on a credit card, just by the way. And indeed, there is actually a credit card out there that you can um, download uh, with the brief changes that, 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 that sort of take place to the monster stats. I, I'd probably do that. It probably is worth doing. The third option, I would say, is to get the essentials line, or at least some of the, of the essentials line. The rules compendium is fantastic. It's a great summary of all the rules. I, I think I think you can get that secondhand for, well, the PDF certainly for about seven or eight quid, I think, at time of recording. You can pick up the book on eBay and other places as well. It's a great summary of all the rules that, that, that you'll need. Other, other books in the essential line, if you wanted to actually run the game and use it, yes, you would need some more. You'd want the Monster Vault which does a really bang-to-rights job on the monsters. All the maths is sorted out and probably, probably in some ways, scores sort of quite well over the core monster manual. And probably the two heroes paperbacks provide you with the classes and the races as described at the time. I, I would also, I have to say, also suggest the Game Master Kit. I can't speak too much of the actual kit itself, but but the, the adventures in it are awesome. And it's those adventures that I'm planning to run with Mike Schley's uh, maps next year. So there's there's lots to be had there. That's, that's I would say, is your option three. I think your best option, though, is option four. And your best option is to play in my game. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm planning to run a mini campaign of Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition in early 2021. Let me know. Uh, contact me in all the usual places. You'll have my uh, contact points in the show notes. If there's room and you're fancying a game of 4E and I've kind of talked you into it a little bit, then maybe we'll be able to get together and actually play the game. Uh, otherwise, you know, happy hunting with all that lot. Uh, and, le- and and let me know what you think, you know. If you do get into it or you want to have a little look at it, even the uh, even just the quick free PDF, I mean, do that. It's, it's no harm, no foul. Uh, let me know what you think about it. But I think with that, I think probably that's enough. I'm probably off for a long rest now to recharge my uh, oft-exhausted daily power of, um, what would that be? I don't know, um, pretending to understand something while not really listening. I think it's probably my, one of my daily powers. What's your daily power? It's exhausting, isn't it? It needs recharging. So I'll, I might go off and do that. I do have, of course, my at-will tea-drinking power. Oh, it seems to be just really easy to do that one. Endless tea. So I might, I might actually do that before my rest. Uh, have a cup of tea. Maybe you've been exercising your at-will cup of coffee. I don't know. Maybe you have. Anyway, enjoy all that. And I hope that's been of some interest to you. So, without further ado then, yeah. Farewell. Keep well. We'll talk soon. And good gaming. <laughs>